on TV, online, and on Break This Heart, Say You'll Love Me Again. Ooh, wrong session. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. This is maybe my last show ever from New Jersey, although now that I'm leaving, now's when I'll probably get some offers from this company to actually do work here. <laughs> that is what we know as the law of sod. But also, based on something that happened recently, you're going to talk about a bit later on, I think there's an, a decent chance that happening now. Oh, oh okay, well... I. Hopefully, we're both thinking of the same thing. Coming up on today's show, the grand <laughs> final is over. We have a new grand final champion. I mean, we did, like, over a year ago. Uh, just in time for our new grand final champion, uh, we've got an old grand final champion on TV. More of that during the TV recap. We've got an event recap. James and I played the London Cup. We did not win. Spoiler alert. Sorry, I feel like everyone would know at this point. If we had def- I, definitely you would fucking know if I had won. Uh, we did not win, but we had some fun. More on that later on. I actually this time I'm not going to slow roll you guys. I did have some adventures in online poker in New Jersey. I decided since I would probably never be back here again that I was going to blow my entire bankroll in one night while live streaming. Uh, so I, I've got a little story for that. Now, Joe, I know I know the concept of being a winning poker player and withdrawing money from an online poker account is an alien concept to you, but it is possible to do it. You don't. It's have- an alien concept to everyone. That's why we have jobs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. For super fan versus Staves, we got Zuli Bonilla. Whose specialty subject is literature? Yeah, okay, I'm probably drawing dead there. James, are there any um, are there any questions about, say, like the Jack Reacher series or? Joe, let me just say that some of the books in the quiz have been turned into movies, so you do oh. stand a chance. Okay, great. So you know, like, like Harry Potter. I'm not going to give anything away. <laughs> okay. And apparently we're having Neil Johnson, haha <laughs> Johnson, on to make a special announcement. I legit have no idea what this is. I'm going to take some guesses right now, James. Um, are we changing the name from the EPT because there's too many other things with the name EPT? Yeah, basically we got sued by that guy with his entre- entrepreneurial personality. Talk. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that's not it. That's not it. Um, is it going to be that? Stop uh, trying to guess. You're never going to get it. I've deliberately kept you out of the loop on this one, but all will be revealed very soon. Okay, fine. What do we got? What do we got for the world of social media? My work wife, Mr. James Hardigan. I always find it fascinating that it's the little things that people seize on. Those throwaway comments during a conversation about subject A, which are about subject B, and suddenly everyone wants to talk about subject B. Uh, remember my aside on going to the cinema and having to share movie screenings with normal people. Andy and not Gibbons, wanting to eat during the movie. Was that on the show too? Absolutely. Andy Gibbons says, I am totally with you on what he calls civilian screenings. People are the worst. You see, Andy is someone else who has worked in the media uh, covering movies as an entertainment reporter. He knows what I'm talking about. When you have been spoilt by going to critic screenings then going back in with gem pop is so hard uh peter blows this to be fair to james i don't think the cinemas want people to eat or drink either judging by the prices um that's probably i mean they really do want you to eat at the cinema but yeah no i get i get what he's saying that's why going to the movies with me is fun because i don't care (laughs) uh dave goodger says loving the star wars rebels chat 
on EPT Not Live. Really enjoyable kids show, kids in inverted commas, because it is enjoyable for adults, especially those who grew up with the Star Wars movies and appreciate that this cartoon series is better than any of the prequels. On the subject of TV shows, I did mention last week that I was having issues during season two of Battlestar Galactica that I felt that it was grinding to a halt, that it was becoming a little bit boring, becoming a little bit formulaic and a little bit shite. It went from being unwatchable to being really good in a couple of episodes to being, oh my God, this is amazing and so fucking dark. So I'm really on board now. Towards the end of season two, season three, this has become first-class television. And Joe, you need to set aside whatever reservations you had from the pilot, from the miniseries, and get on board with this. Wait, so you're back on Battlestar Galactica? Seriously, it's gone from being a run-of-the-mill network TV show or network cable or whatever the fuck it was in the space of five episodes towards the end of season two, coming into season three. This is now really strong science fiction drama. It's really good. Really? You pulled through and came out the other side? That's pretty rare. Uh, Ray Say, I believe, this guy at Dirty Outs, is the dude who designed the Maurice Hawkins poster for us last year. Um, He says, since James and Joe can't stand non-linear storytelling, did Memento make your head explode? And as you so accurately replied to Ray, Joe, that was done in an incredibly inventive way and unfortunately paved the way for a lot of weak copycats. Yeah, Memento is very different. That is the entire concept of the movie. It was done in an incredibly inventive way. And hearing that movie mentioned and the way in that which that movie was constructed reminded me to wheel out my classic Christopher Nolan story from the year 2000. Ooh, okay. Joe, this was a year before the movie opened in the States. I think it came out in America, like on the festival circuit and in kind of independent cinemas in, in 2001. It opened in the UK first. And... Going back to when I was a movie reporter, I got to interview Christopher Nolan. And this was back in the day when they gave you like a full 15 or 20 minutes and no one was in the room with you monitoring what questions you were asking. And bear in mind that DVD was in its infancy. It had pretty much launched in the UK in 1999 with the Sony PlayStation 2 coming out in the year 2000. Some people were starting to get on board. Most people still had VHS. And I said to Christopher Nolan during the interview, with the advent of DVD... And the idea of chaptering movies, have you thought about having as a special feature on the DVD the reordering of the movie and the chance that people could watch it in chronological order? Did he he slap you straight across the face when you said this? No, he said that's a really interesting idea and he wrote it down in his notebook and when the movie appeared on DVD six months later, there was the option as a hidden special feature as an Easter egg to reorder the movie (laughs) in chronological order. So I am taking the credit here and now for that DVD special feature. James, look, and I think this is a cool story. Don't get me wrong. It's a terrible idea. It's like, I don't know, it's like um it's like taking what can we say for example? It's like it's like taking the sting and being like, have you ever thought of making it in the modern day? Like you're taking the like the best thing about it. Which is and- why I wanted to be clear. I'm talking about this is a DVD special feature for nerds as a curiosity feature. This is not a special edition of the movie. This is okay. not an alternative cut of the movie. This is not on par with taking Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life and putting it in color. Yes, yeah, Ted Turner. I'm talking go. to you. 
That is that is exactly the the metaphor I was looking for. Putting putting it's a wonderful life in color. Uh, now, Joe, uh, most of the tweets we have received over the course of the last seven days have been related to a challenge that you set to our audience, which is to come up with alternative grandmother and grandfather names for your parents. Now that your brother and his wife are expecting, and they are about to become grandparents, some people, a small minority took this seriously the vast majority decided to come up with names that no human being in their right mind would ever want to be labeled uh let's start with michael shall we who offers a serious suggestion popsy and gammy the result of 14 hours spent pondering your parents predicament how do you think your parents would feel about popsy and gammy popsy and gammy i think that i don't think gammy really works but popsy i think my dad could maybe go for that because his uh, his his we had a we had a guy on his side of the family that was uh, that was a pops pops is okay uh, I'll I'll, t- I'll take it to them okay well Michael ends his tweet hashtag I'll keep thinking so he's not done with this okay, Michael good. thinks he can come up with more ideas uh, and now we get to the ones which I'm going to assume are not serious suggestions uh, Freddie Safrizi nominates Bizu Bizu and the Chooch Head. Okay, so Frizzy is a guy that's listened to my show forever. Bizu Bizu is how my mom ends every phone call to me. It means kiss, kiss ah, in French. Yes. And Chooch Head was what my – so my mom, it's like the worst thing she'll call someone because she doesn't really cuss. So she will call – if she really doesn't like a person, she'll go, that uh, he's a Chooch Head. So would she be prepared for her loving husband I, to be branded I the Chooch Head? I don't think that she'll be called the Chooch Head, no. <laughs> I don't think that she's going to go for that, considering it's her worst possible swear word. Martin J. Smith suggests that the grandparent name should clearly be Parker P. and the Tab. That is another old school <laughs> Huff and Stapes reference um, where uh, <laughs> uh, Scott and I took on these uh, uh, alter egos named Parker P. and the Tab. I don't think that works either. Alan Carey suggests Smokey and the Bandit. I like that a lot. Now, I will take that to them. That works. Okay, now I'm going to take a deep breath as I work through all of Spears' nominations. Are you ready? I'm ready. <gasps> Mork and Mindy, Ren and Stimpy, Wayne and Garth, Cheech and Chong, Boris and Natasha, Yogi and Boo Boo, Statler and Waldorf, Simon and Garfunkel, Starsky and Hutch, Sonny and Cher, Pinky and the Brain, Sanford and Son, Jake and Elwood spitballing here thing one thing two <laughs> baba and Bowie, kanga and rue bert and ernie peaches and herb batman and robin what the fuck i can't tell if those are grandparents uh, suggestions or race situation well hey you could always Samples. apply it if you accidentally gaining one piece of content through the search for another can you really complain I guess not. I got a really interesting uh, email on Facebook from John Newcomb. He says, uh, when my mom reached grandmotherhood, she would say she wanted to be called Baby Doll. uh, And the child decided she would call her Gook. That's right. Pronounced Gook. It was so strongly held, the child passed it on to his sister, who passed it along to his stepsister. My mother is called Gook to this day. I'm assuming that she'd never seen the movies Full Metal Jacket, Platoon apocalypse now again some of these people are very sweet and they don't realize that maybe the name is a racial slur (laughs) um uh so he he goes on to say you tell your mom to be careful for what she wishes one does not name animals one creates nothing but a call the animals will recognize on their own and these particular animals can talk back 
And I actually, I wrote to my mom and asked her what she preferred. And I'm having a hard time finding it right now because I have two cell phones and freaking 18,000 email addresses. Um, but I did ask her what it was going to be. And you know what? I can't freaking find where she answered me. And that's really anticlimactic. Um, I did have a couple people write on Facebook. Just want to say thanks. I don't know that I actually got anything that I can, <laughs> that I can really take to them seriously, but it was a fun little game, right? It was a fun game. It was a fun little game. Uh, anything else before we get to the all important news, Joe? Yes. So if you remember, James, I stayed a couple extra days in London last week. Yeah, to play the UKIPT London Cup. We're coming to that. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a bonus. But the real reason I just wanted to confess to everyone, the real reason I stayed was because the previous time I was in London, I went out on two, <laughs> two first dates with both people that I got along really well with and I liked. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to come back. Uh, and spend like you know five extra days in London, and I'll get to hang out. And I I told both of them individually, this has been really fun. I'd like to see you again. Um, and just because I should have been doing that, uh, karma got back to me, and not one but both of them completely ghosted me. Ha! So sorry, one, I like, mean, well, oh, that's so sad. So the irony of the fact that I was staying in London to go on dates with two different girls is not, and then being ditched by both of them is not lost on me. No. But uh, one of them ghosted me completely, and then one of them the day before, I was like, uh, hey, so I feel like you're going to bail on me. Did you like fall in love or something over the last three weeks? And she was like, yep, sure did. Bye. And so <laughs> I did not uh, – so I was a little bummed out. I was a little bummed out, <clears throat> but – there are some things in the works. There are some new things in the works, and I just want everyone not to worry. I'm not ready to share details yet, but there's something fun brewing. That's all. Just a little hint. Just a little hint that something fun is brewing, Joe, hopefully. When and are you yes. going to learn the moment that you start to hint on this show <laughs> that romance is blossoming, that something is developing, it all goes to shit? Yeah, it's probably true, but maybe that's, I mean, that keeps me safe, doesn't it, James? It keeps me safe. Not sure it does. Uh, anyway, without further ado, I'm sure a lot of people have tuned into this edition of EPT Not Live purely for the big announcement about our live streams. Without further ado, let us present the all-important news. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for EPT Not Live news. And for this edition of the EPT Not Live news, we require the presence of Neil Johnson. So... Activate the whole poke! Neil Johnson is our head of live poker operations. Neil, Joe Stapleton has no idea why you're here. Yeah, but most of the time when you guys bring me in, I don't know I'm, why I'm here. So on this, this, occasion, is, this is actually a nice change for me. The tables are turned. Now, Neil, do you want to tell Joe the big news or shall I? What is it? I'm, I assume it's good news. You didn't, wouldn't bring Neil on to fire me, would you? I, can, I will safely say that, Joe, you are not fired today. Okay, great. Wonderful. So what is it then? Go ahead, James. So, Joe, we've talked about it. We speculated about it. We thought it was something that would be discussed during the offseason, but I can reveal that in Monaco for the EPT-12 Grand Final, for the seven days of live streaming, we will be cards up throughout. What? 
Really? Like every day? Every single day. So that's the final tables of the 100k Super High Roller, the 1k FPS main event, and the 5k EPT main event. And add to that the extra four days of coverage, days two, three, four, and five of the EPT main event on delay. Cards up. Neil Johnson, Johnson, how hard did you fight this? Uh, There was a lot of extensive conversations, um, but what it comes down to is this is the natural evolution of the direction that poker is going. You see it all the time now on Twitch. Um, You know, it's 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 almost the, the perfect progression from when whole card cams came originally. Uh, so, and plus this is a very much a trial run. Um, but being, and it's going to sound a little commercially, but being honest, I trust my live poker team and I trust our live, uh, webcast team that, uh, we're not going to have any real issues with this. So slight delay. What's happening with that? We will be a delay at all times of at least 30 minutes on the coverage from the feature table slash final table. And also, Neil, you trust that the players aren't going to tank for 30 minutes to wait for the stream to catch up. I, as, as much as there are problems with people <laughs> not calling the clock, as much as I would beg them to call the clock, <laughs> I'm fairly certain that we will not have a 30-minute tank. Do you think, do you guys, James, do you think that this gets rid of my excuse of not having to do analysis because I don't have whole cards the rest of the days? I'm like, well, we don't have whole cards. Like, there's nothing to talk about. Now we have to talk about shit all the time. I actually think that this completely changes the dynamic of what EPT Live is. And I don't think we want to lose the personality and the fun and we don't want to lose the interactions and the competitions. But the reality is, it's going to be like a final table broadcast every single day. We will have cards. We will be able to analyze the play and we will pick on the brains of members of Team Pro, members of Team Online, other players in the arena who can come into the booth and offer pearls of wisdom. Um, I think it's important to stress, though, Neil, this is not something that just happened where someone said, ah, screw it, just switch the whole cards on. There were extensive conversations about this. This is not just something that was decided overnight. Oh, absolutely. And this is, I mean, as longtime viewers uh, understand, this is something that's been discussed on virtually every webcast we've ever done on day two or day three of why can't I see the whole cards? I want to see the whole cards. I'm certainly on record saying that I believe it has a negative impact on game integrity to uh, force those players to reveal that type of information. Um, But again, you could say the same about uh, the whole card cameras themselves, about final tables. Uh, You know, everything, we used to be almost a full level delay, whereas something like the World Series November 9 is only on a 15-minute delay. Uh, So even the level of delay can be up for debate as to its impact on game integrity. But we've seen it progress from the whole card uh, cameras themselves up to where your final table broadcasting with the whole cards up. Uh, Aussie Millions this year in January ran their entire stream with, uh, I believe it was a 30-minute delay with the whole cards showing. Uh, Just recently in uh, Eureka Rosvedov, we ran a final two days on live stream. So it's something that's slowly been tried out um and i mean i'm glad you mentioned the aussie millions because for me that was the turning point and that was when i think that the conversation really turned around to looking at our live events saying are we actually trying to protect something that actually isn't a concern and that really is the mindset of the players because you and i spoke about the aussie millions before it happened and we were both of the opinion that they were going to have revolution on their hands and that players would be you know would object strongly to the way they were going to do things there were no principal objections. 
Yeah, they, I mean, they went through relatively smoothly from everything. I wasn't on the ground there, but uh, from everything that I heard and all the people that I spoke to, it went through really smoothly. And the reality is, and you and I have talked extensively about this, the day two and day three where we're swapping a table every level, every other level kind of thing. And that's an important thing to mention, Joe, and just to yeah. clarify, this is a change that we'll be dealing with as well. Whereas before, we might have had a feature table on day two or day three up on the main stage for the duration of our broadcast. We're going to be changing more frequently. So for for example, on day two, uh, there are like three sessions, as it were, with two breaks. And for those three sessions, we'll have three different feature tables. And maybe on day three, we'll have a table for the bubble and then we'll change the table after the bubble bursts. Do you think do you guys think that possibly this went over well in Australia because it wasn't us that did it first? Like, don't you think that if like we did this first, people would complain more? And people would have like made a bigger deal, but like it's kind of like the cool uncle, like Australia was like, let's give this a try, mate. And then everyone was like, cool with it. Like, I feel like because someone else sort of did it first, now we can be like, okay, we'll do it too. And they can't complain because they didn't complain. Oh, I'm perfectly happy. We've had a number of, of meetings where I'm like, I don't want to do it first. I will happily do it second with all yeah. kinds of different ideas that people put forward just because uh, there's obviously a certain level, um, you know, we're held to a very high standard. Yeah, there's pressure on us. Yeah, well, I'm very happy to be held to that standard. Like we've, I think we set the bar in a number of different directions, um, in a number of different areas rather. And so I'm happy to be held to that. But it does mean that if we do try something and it fails a little bit or, you know, fails 5% or something, we tend, we might get blasted for that. Whereas, uh, you know, now the players have seen it they've seen it in operation at the aussie millions and you know we uh, certainly we will take all kinds of feedback uh at the throughout monaco and after monaco this is not an announcement that hey for Positive ept 13 only please do not <laughs> listen to what neil's saying i only want to hear good shit are you on you're, you're on twitter right i mean have you only, Dude, look, I have positive? a very strict policy that I only accept positive constructive criticism. <laughs> you must I, not have many followers. <laughs> I mean, the reality is obviously that, you know, player feedback after this is going to be paramount. Oh, 100%. And obviously the one, the feedback we have heard already is from the pros in our stable. And again, just to clarify, in all of the months of conversation and the conversations about whether this would happen, the first person we talked to were all of our pros. And... We were interested in saying, you know, how, are they going to be okay with this? And the irony is they weren't just okay with it. The vast majority, in fact, actually all of them were not just okay with it. They were enthusing about it. They actually think this is a positive step for trying to grow the game. Well, absolutely. But I think to, to what you were talking about with the team pros, seeing the positives, I mean, there are some interesting things to it. It's when you when you look at the, the replays, yes, day two and day three and day four are interesting, but there's so there's a ton of poker television or webcasting over the years where you look and go, God, that hand was amazing, but you still have no idea what either player had. And in, in this instance, the even the, the recreational players that come to play and stuff, they're going to get a chance to have their hand analyzed by Johnny Laden or, or uh, you know, Daniel Negreanu or, or somebody. Or Joe Stapleton. I'm sorry, I have a hard time putting hand analysis and Joe Stapleton in the same sentence. Yeah, me too. No, so. That's why I couldn't even say it without, without cracking up. <laughs> you almost kept a straight face. Yeah, not even close. But as well as um, the uh, just the the watchability, moving away from the the players at the table to the the viewers, who obviously will have much more uh, kind of engagement, and it doesn't preclude the ability to actually turn it off every once in a while and do kind of the uh, let's let's do this hand with the whole cards down and see you know what happens, and you can play a lot of games with that and all that stuff. Same way we do on the final table already. 
Now, the vast majority of people who are listening to this podcast, Neil, the vast majority of people who watch the streams are poker fans, are poker viewers. Obviously, you also deal with the players, and I imagine that if there is going to be any negative feedback about this, it's probably going to come in your direction, either on the 2 Plus 2 forums or on Twitter, but I imagine you'll be handling that over the course of the next two weeks. Yeah, and I'm happy to handle it. It's, uh, you know, like, we, you'll you'll hear the, we've used the word evolution a couple of times, yeah. and this is the direction that it's heading in. Um, we did, you know, contrary to sometimes popular opinion, we, we didn't just decide it and say, oh, well, screw it, we're going to do it and everybody has to deal with it. This is something we did reach out to another number of players to talk about and we did get opinions on it and uh now and then we didn't just say oh you know what ept 13 has cards up every day we're saying we're going to try it in monaco we're going to spend all the time analyzing it um you know because uh, the flip side could be what if all the numbers are down compared to a cards down webcast yeah. maybe that's our viewers saying oh they really like the kind of the guesswork of what did he have what did he we have i don't anticipate that being the case yeah, I'd, I'd put a lot of money on the opposite <laughs> happening uh, but you know but that's the data that has to be crunched before we make any further uh, decisions as well as getting tons of feedback from monaco usually has the best players in the world there and and they're not shy about telling us if you like it or they hate it and just to be clear this is not voluntary for the players either because we have have had issues in the past not just on a final table but on a feature table where people aren't too keen on putting their cards on the reader they don't want the scanners to pick up the cards during the hand and we've had situations where the floor have had to talk to the players and that remains in place right oh 100 percent. the basically when you enter the event you've entered and this is regardless of cards up uh cards down when you, in blood <laughs> when you enter an event that uh that is going to be webcast or televised and i would assume this is true for all of our competitors as well um the whole point of having it is so we have your cards and if we're streaming cards up the whole point is so the fans can follow along you accepted that when you entered the event if uh, you know monaco has I think 79 events in the in the schedule only one of them will be showing whole cards in a non-traditional manner yeah. because the super high roller and the FPS they're only showing on the final table which is what we traditionally would do so the other 78 events you will not be impacted by uh, by this change and the and 76 of those 79 events you won't have to worry about cameras or webcasts or RFID cards or anything at all so uh, you know it's something that the players unfortunately have to accept whether that's ESPN in the series or it's uh, us over here for the you know 90 channels that we're on so, Joe, I think it's probably too soon to hold uh, a funeral for the Gessatron, but certainly we are going to be putting it away <laughs> in a cupboard. And maybe if this is a success and this is the way of things to come, then eventually we are going to have to stick that Gessatron in a longboat and send it into a canal and put it in a watery grave. Can, can we do fire, hour, fire arrows? Absolutely, 100%. Okay, I think that numbers are going to be down, guys. On people asking us why there's no whole cards. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, so we obviously go over what we're going to be streaming in more detail in our Monaco preview show. But effectively, the key dates, 30th of April through to the 6th of May, seven days of live coverage on Pokestars.tv from the Season 12 Grand Final. Cards up every single day. Neil Johnson, thank you for being activated and thank you for discussing the change. Not a problem. Anytime, guys. Thank you. So, yeah, we're going to be watching people play poker in Monaco in a couple of weeks' time. But we have got not one, but two sections of this show that involve anecdotes about the two of us playing poker. Uh, let's talk about live poker first. Event Recap. Event Recap.
because last week it was the London leg of the UK and Ireland Poker Tour and Joe, you and I played the last event on the schedule, the £330 London Cup. Yeah, this is why I stayed in London. I mean, you know, one of one of the reasons. Um, I, James, I got to tell you, buddy, I love doing these events. They're so much fun for me. We get to play poker. We get a shot to win some money. I, we get our egos fed for like a solid six, seven hours. Although I think you had a guy at your table that wasn't exactly 100% complimentary to you the entire time. <laughs> Is always, that true? There's always one who feels the need to kind of like just get needle needles in again and again but i took about 30k off him so it was all good Thirty thousand pounds no 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 these are chips with no cash value <laughs> uh but they did help me build up a big stack towards the start which i then donked off towards the middle did, section of did the day. you did you text me during your game and say that s- someone raised it 6x oh my before god the cards have been dealt so this guy arrived at the table and was playing like a maniac, like raising and three-betting every part, and basically told everyone, and I think at this point the tournament had been running for an hour, uh, and so it was one o'clock in the afternoon, and he said, yeah, I've got to go at three. And you know when people say that, you don't really believe them, that they're just trying to kind of make you think that they're wild and... and, and like, why are they there? Like, why, yeah, exactly. I mean, why would you have done that? But seriously, story checked out. Everything this guy did painted a picture that he wanted out, and while the dealer's shuffling, he's, he's the blinds are posted, and this guy goes, yeah, I'm going to raise blind. And he makes it 6x from under the gun before any cards have been dealt. And it may not surprise you to hear that whatever his appointment was at 3pm, he made it. <laughs> Did you get any of his chips? Uh, I didn't. Actually, to be fair, he was dispatched in a cruel cooler where he ran queens into kings. But by that point, he just didn't really have much of a stack and was going to get called by any two cards, quite frankly. Um, but that was my first table. I got moved around a lot. I think more than I have in any other poker tournament. I just kept being on one of the first tables to break. Um, you know what I think it was? It was that because we were playing that early flight and people kept showing up that there was a little bit more shuffling around of people yeah. than there normally would have been. My first table was great. I had a great table draw. I had Kelly Saxby, one Asian guy, and six guys that picked up their cards to look at them. So nice. I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to do fine here. <laughs> uh, my table draw was not easy. I had a lot of players who clearly knew what they were doing. I was sat to the direct left of Adelston Carlson, a name that may be familiar to EPT Live viewers because Adelston made the final table of UK IPT Dublin, an event that we live streamed. He finished fourth in that event. So, of course, he was very keen to talk to me about that final table. And then on my direct left was a guy whose name I didn't catch. He's a Romanian guy who qualified for the PCA three years ago and was on a featured table during the PCA, which we live streamed. And you know when people start regaling you with stories about, yeah, you talked about me because the player next to me was accidentally exposing his hand every time right, he looked he at it. Right, he knocked my chips over. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I remember. I have no idea. I have no recollection. But his face did look familiar. There were a lot of familiar faces in this event. Later on in the tournament, I was sharing a table with the Romanian player Florian Duta, who's had a deep run in a few EPTs. Yeah, he was at my table too, said he's going to play the grand final. Yeah, so there were a lot of people I knew. A lot of people wanted to talk to me about the TV show shows uh, which was great i had no idea there were so many people out there and maybe they were just saying this because i was in the room who liked the sketches who loved the skits and were so disappointed to hear that we're not going to do them anymore so many people saying what's the writing process who comes up with the ideas do you rehearse them are they improvised and it's like um 
Right. Really? No, normally, no one really gives any feedback, and we just assume that the audience tolerates them, but is just waiting to get back to the poker. Yeah, I just assume people skip past them and wait till they can actually see the table on the screen. Uh, one huge mistake that I made, and trust me, I made a number of mistakes during this tournament, was not eating before the start of play. Normally, I get to London... Oh, man, a hungry James Hardigan. I'm, you guys I mean, have I'm, never experienced anything no. like this. I am willing to concede that I'm an unbearable human being at the best of times. When I've had nothing to eat, <laughs> I just become a monster. Uh, in this instance, not eating just affected me. I was making really sloppy mistakes which i don't normally make i'm able to follow the action at a poker table sorry did, did you say able or anal able i am able you're pretty anal at the poker table also no that is true and i'm able to follow the action i know what the blinds are i know when it's my turn to act i acted out of turn i i misclicked and underraised. i accidentally exposed my cards just really beginner's shit and i'm better this than is that. like that's like a that's like a, all that would happen in one level for me like i'm the guy that has to be told about the ante every single day. i'm like what's that aunties now they're like dude there have been aunties for the last two hours but obviously being a 330 bound comp at the weekend there were a lot of people who maybe were playing their first live tournament or certainly don't play a lot of live events and i did witness a controversy joe involving a player who i don't think uh, is familiar with the live circuit and certainly not familiar with the rules of live tournaments particularly tournaments run by poker stars uh, he Are you was talking a, about yourself is this some a mistake you made no this is a mistake that a spanish player made and i became aware of it when big nick buenos dias hems <laughs> who was running uh the london cup was involved in a, a rather terse conversation with this kid and all i heard was nick saying you do realize this is automatic disqualification that this this penalty what? that this penalty is 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 disqualification worthy. Holy shit! And shit I'm just like, got real. And I'm like, oh, what's happened? What's happened? And Big Nick was calling Luca Vivaldi to make a ruling on this. There is a very strict rule in any poker tournament that tournament chips cannot leave the tournament room. And what had happened is this kid's table had been broken. And I'm familiar with what happens when a table is broken because it happened to me several times during this event. The floor man will say. Go straight to your new table without delay. You must go straight to your new table. Unfortunately, what this kid had done is his table had been broken, his chips had been racked, and before he took his new seat, he went to the toilet with his chips. Uh. And he took the chips not only out of the tournament room, but out of the poker arena and went to the bathroom with them. And then came to the table. Oh, God. That's such a... Cause like I get the rule, but you want to be able to be like, "Yo, just can't." Just, you know, oh, what a terrible spot for everybody! So they disqualified him. Well, Luca was called to make the ruling, and Luca obviously wanted to talk to the guy and really get a sense of like whether he had made a genuine error or whether this was an angle. Because that's why the rule exists. Let's be clear. And honestly, I have never seen someone so contrite in all my life. This guy was clearly so upset, so embarrassed. He was saying, please refer to the cameras in the casino. You'll see that my stack did not change. I didn't do anything untoward. And what is the first rule of any poker tournament? What is the TDA's number one rule? 
which is tournament director's discretion absolutely that every ruling must be made in the best interest of the game please tell me there's a happy ending here and luca decided that it was not in the best interest of the tournament or this player to disqualify him that clearly he had made a genuine error made it absolutely clear that most of the time, the vast majority of the time, this would be disqualification. But they believed that he'd made an honest mistake. They trusted that he hadn't done anything nefarious. And they said that he would not be disqualified. <sighs> but there has to be some consequence for his actions. So it was ruled that his chips would be put into play and that he would be uh, given a one-orbit penalty. But crucially, he was allowed to continue in the London Cup. Jeez, that was a fucking close one, huh? I mean, first of all, that's unsanitary. Okay, we don't want the chips going into the <laughs> that's, bathroom. That's not why the rule exists, by the you, way. You flush the toilet. That's like a that's like a poop bomb going off. I mean, those chips are covered in feces now. I mean, if they weren't already, they're covered in fecal matter. That's my main issue with it. I'm glad there was a happy ending to that. James, did you get a run around penalty for something? No. I did, as previously mentioned, <laughs> accidentally expose my cards while folding. I did not get an automatic penalty. This was not, I didn't know the action was on me or thought the hand had been checked to show me down and showed my cards, which would be an automatic penalty. This was as I folded, as the hand slid towards the muck, they flipped over. You oh, don't, well, that's not a penalty, right? Is no, it? you don't get a penalty for that. No, you don't. Um, although some people, Mark Convy of the PokerStars blog, decided to dobbed me into Luca Vivaldi to say I should have got a penalty, but no, there was no uh, no consequence for that. Oh, because when when this when this all happened, I actually thought that that he was being serious that you should have got a penalty no. and that there was going to be like a big deal, like James Hardigan gets special treatment at the London no. Cup. No, the only special treatment I got was that I had to wear a patch that said I work for Poker Stars and Full Tilt, and I felt the need to point out for the avoidance of doubt that I do not work for full tilt we're uh, on the same team you jabroni i work for pokestars brand marketing it's still a separate held entity for the time being can i tell you what's awkward about those events for me james i think we discussed this remember how you said you didn't eat yeah like i know for <laughs> james and i talked about this i i know for a fact that if we like ordered food with the when the right people were around like we don't have to pay for it <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I just don't – I also am not capable of, like, asking for the free food. So on the break, me and James are like, so what do we do? Like, what should we do? Should we just, like, kind of wait for, like, so-and-so to be around so we can order our food? And, I, like, you feel like a complete dick. I ended up not eating because I was like, I don't I don't want to look like I'm entitled to free food, but I also don't really want to pay for it. So I just didn't eat. <laughs> yeah, and that's a situation I found myself in. Okay, Joe, I've got um, a hand I want to talk to you about because – Really? This is an interesting one. Can we both do one? Absolutely. Mine's, um, mine's, I just want you to tell me, like, give me a pat on the back, be like, you played it right. But okay, let's no. really analyze yours. Yeah, because this one is a genuine dilemma. We're going to do some serious strat talk now on EPT Not Live as we introduce. It's a fantastic journey through space and time. It's hand histories. And in terms of analyzing this hand, and in terms of understanding how difficult it was for me, we have to focus on the. Pre-flop action. So to set the scene, Joe, we are approaching the bubble. 25 players remain and 21 get paid. And that's when play will conclude for day this one. Is, this is your wheelhouse. This is your, like, you should teach a course on how to play this stage of the tournament. I sweat you many times during this. I had something I had to get to that night. I had a dinner slash date that I had to get to. This, this is your bread and butter. 
Okay, so let me set the scene. Blinds are 1,200-2,400 with a 300 ante, and I have roughly 30k. 12 and a half big blinds. And I'm in the big blind. So I've already got that in with 11 and a half big blinds behind. Under the gun player is uh, Krishna, who actually tweeted that he eventually came second in the London Cup. At he this... was at my table at one point also, and he ran like absolute Krishna. Absolutely. And he has been playing very solid. He is the table chip leader. At this point, he may well be the tournament chip leader. He has a monster stack, and it's not come from being loose aggressive. It's not come from uh, from any kind of bullying the short stacks. He has been running incredibly well. He's been playing well. And when he opens under the gun, I do not think this is a move. I give him credit for having something. So he opens under the gun to 5k. We're playing seven-handed, by the way. Action comes around to the button, who's a Romanian player who I've seen at various points over the course of the tournament. Lots of Romanians in the London Cup. Did you notice? You're Romania. Now, this guy now shoves for 17k. Now, bear in mind... Under the gun is open to five. He shoves for 17k. This is not even a 10 big blind stack. So if he's mm -hmm. reshoving at this point with that shorter stack, again, I have to give him credit for a hand. It comes round to me with around 27.5k behind, and I have pocket tens. Man, um, I think I just fold. I think I just fold like... You're four from the money. You have enough big blinds probably to fold your way to the money. Um, and you're flipping at best. I mean, you're probably flipping. I think you're flipping most of the time. Like, at the under-the-gun guy kind of worries me a little bit. The guy who's shoving, I think, is going to have, like, you know, he's going to have, like, ace-jack some of the time, I think, like, ace-jack suited. Um, but yeah, I think that, I, I think that you just got to get out of the way. And then when they, ha when it's like eights versus nines, you're like kicking yourself, but whatever. Well, I mean, I really thought long and hard about this one. I think this is the longest I've ever dwelled on a hand in a live poker tournament ever. And by that, I mean, it was probably close to one and a half, two minutes on a decision. What? Um, I, I did not think it was necessarily an easy fold. I mean, there was... I, I don't... I agree with you. I think the Romanian guy who's shoved is very strong. The chip leader's got a fistful of blue, fistful of 5k chips in his hand, ready to call. I know that if I reshove, I have zero fold equity. He's priced into call and potentially knock out two players. So yes, eventually I did fold the 10s, which I think is probably the correct play. But then, of course, inevitably you start playing results because then you see the two hands at showdown. Oh, God. The, the chip leader, who snap calls the shelf, by the way, flips over ace-six of spades. <laughs> Wait for it. The button goes, ah, oh, I was just making a move. He has king-eight of hearts. Oh, my God. See, that's the problem, is that we assumed, James, we assumed that there is a semblance of short stack slash bubble <laughs> strategy. Dude, I mean, look, sometimes you got to make a move with king-eight of hearts. And yes. 10 big blinds. Yes. Sometimes you got to make them. Here, but here's the thing. Okay. Now, you can play results if you want. When you see those hands, you're like, ah, fuck. But what? how'd the board run out? Because I feel well, like... there you go. Yeah. It is a seven-card game. Crucially, there was an ace on... The turn. And <laughs> the button made his flush on... The river. So had I stayed in the hand, it would not have been a case of... Winner, winner, chicken dinner. So yes, if we're playing results, I played it perfectly.
Yeah, well, no, you also played it perfectly, like a, in a Schrodinger's cat kind of way. Like until the hands were revealed, <laughs> you you were you were probably making the right fold. Did you? But you bubbled though, right? Oh, dude! So like four or five hands later, I'm down to seven bigs, and in mid position, I open ship Ace Jack and run into Ace King. Krishna did me in with the Ace King, um, which obviously I, I don't think I did anything wrong there. I think I had to make that move. Um, play had really tightened up. I don't think I could have folded my way into the money, to be brutally honest, but it is the most horrific feeling I've ever experienced playing poker. Normally, as you said, Joe, I am pretty good at scraping into the money. I'm a min crusher or I bust early doors and the money's never a factor. This is the first time that I have come close to bubbling a tournament. I mean, four off the money. I think that is pretty much bubbling and it's grotesque. It's horrible. It's nasty. And we're talking about a 300 pound tournament, buddy. Imagine what it feels like in a 10K or a 25K. Totally. And I was free rolling. So I've got no reason to necessarily be too depressed about it. But no, I, I did go home feeling a little bit sore. I mean, that's why I'm, I'm like just so frustrated with these tournaments because, you know, I'm lucky enough to be free rolling in this thing a couple times a year. It's probably the fifth or sixth time I've played one of these Hippodrome tournaments and I can't fucking even min cash. It's driving me crazy. You like, run just, so bad, though. I run really bad. Like, okay, so I'll just get a couple of my bad beat stories out of the way. And look, I don't really care. I, wait, first of all, I do want to tell the bad beat stories. Don't get me wrong. I do tell them because I think people are just interested in what happened. Like on my Facebook page, I posted what happened and someone's like, wow, Joe, a bad beat story. I thought you were better. And I was like, go fuck yourself. Seriously, GFY, there's a bunch of people on this page asking me what happened. I'm just saying what happened. Um... So in the very first orbit, I had kings cracked. I flopped a top set of kings, um, and it, it was like a king king ten something on the flop. Turn was a queen. Uh, I bet all three streets, and on the river, I bet something like um, I think I bet like twelve hundred. And uh, sorry, I bet I bet um, yeah, I bet twelve hundred in the river, and then I got raised to thirty seven hundred, and I'm like. Man, this guy can really only have one hand. He can only have ace jack is the only thing. But you know what you do there? You like flop top set. You you like convince yourself that he could be raising you with yeah. like a worse like a worse set. So uh, I paid that off. He had ace jack. The awesome thing was though, and he turns over. And part of it's like I don't know, like James. I'm kind of a masochist, and I just want to see it. Like I just want to see that I got sucked out on on the turn it's just like one of those old pieces of advice that the guys used to give you in the old LA card rooms. Like, kid, always pay for information. Sometimes you know you beat, but sometimes it's worth it to see it. Um, yeah, something like that. Like, I just, I'm kind of a masochist. I just had to see it. Um, the awesome thing, though, is this guy bought me a beer. Uh, I was drinking cider, actually. He, and he didn't say anything. He's like, I'm going to buy you a beer. He didn't want credit. All of a sudden, like three hands later, waiter comes by. He's got a big cider for me. And the dude's like, Yeah, I cracked your kings. It's the least I can do. And I, I know that this isn't the type of poker that most of the people we do commentary on play James, but this is the kind of poker that makes it really fun for me. You're hanging out, you're playing a game, you're socializing. This guy's like, a, he's not like my friend, quote unquote, like, you know, we're not going to hang out next weekend, but you're meeting people, you're making friends. This is, this is what poker is meant to be. A hundred percent. For and me. Even though bubbling was, was sickening, it's still so much fun to be at the Hippodrome and play these events. Now, yeah, and you mentioned you were at Krishna's table. Krishna was at my table and won like a three-way all-in 
or maybe even a four-way all-in where he cracked aces with Ace Jack and then I need him on Twitter. Did you see the answer he gave me? Yes, I did. So funny. Like, the weird thing is I was, like, just joking with him. I was like, yeah, yeah, go fuck yourself. And then I was like, yeah, you did run pretty good, like Ace Jack beat Aces. And then he replied saying, yes, and I'm the first and last person that will ever do that in history, (laughs) which actually was a really good response as far as I was concerned. Toward, um... I guess the like the pre bubble stage. I don't have to call it. Like maybe we were like twenty from the money. I would say, um, I got it all in with uh, King Queen and a guy like reshoved behind me. Uh, I've shoved from early. I think I shoved from under the gun with King Queen. A guy reshoved behind me. I had about um, eighteen big blinds and he had like eight big blinds. And uh, he reshoved with King Jack and the flop came two jacks. So then I was like down the down to uh to 10 big blinds and i managed to win like an awesome i can't i don't even know how this happened there was like a raise and raise two callers and then i'm in the big blind similar situation to you james where i'm really short but there's just a min raise and i have four deuce i have four deuce and it's one of those situations where like i have like 11 or 12 big blinds and i i I my instinct has always been to peel in those situations like Hey, look, you can get lucky. You're investing like one more big blind to win a whole bunch and maybe even double and or triple up. Stop and go. Yeah, the stop and go. Exactly. But the thing is, I'm not going to stop and go with nothing. The flop came. um, So I did. I peeled with four deuce. The flop came king, queen, four. And uh, the guy uh, who is in the small blind checked and I just move in. Um, Assuming I'm going to get called and we'll either and you just have to get lucky, you know, And it goes fold, fold, and then the guy who checked under the gun sits there and thinks for a while, and I'm like, oh, man, he doesn't, he doesn't have a king or a queen, and he ends up folding two eights face up to me. Wow. And this is why I'm not ever going to be good at poker. I felt terrible. <laughs> like, I felt so bad about it. I was like... <laughs> This poor guy just folded eights to me. And, of course, I had to lie to him. I told him I had a queen. Yeah, of course you like, did. Of course you did. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't say I had a king. You know yeah, what I mean? Most like, of the I time, had to make it believable. Most of the time that you're flatting there out of a short stack and then open jamming on a king-queen four-flop, you are going to have a king or a queen with no kicker. I mean, that's that, I can understand him folding the eights. Right. And so, but I felt bad. Like, I feel like, I feel like if someone folds eights to me, like I did something wrong to them. Like I did them dirty. That's why I just can't ever play poker. Uh, a few hands later, this is, this hand was pretty special. Um, I am, how does this dynamic work here? I'm in, I'm on the button with ace jack of hearts. Uh, someone in middle position opens. The fella in, uh, what is it? The, the cutoff? Is the cutoff before the button or is it the hijack? Yes, Joe. It's the cutoff directly okay, the before guy the button. The, so the guy in the hijack. Thank God he doesn't do uh, poker commentary for a living. The guy, <laughs> the guy in the hijack flats uh, this min raise. I jam for now on this particular hand where I, where I made the guy flop, uh, made the guy fold the eights. I pretty much doubled up um, because of all the money that was in there pre-flop. So I jam for like something like 18 big blinds. And the original razor folds, and it comes back around to the guy who flatted in between, and he snap calls me with – I know you already know the hand, but I'm going to give everyone out there a chance to guess for one second. Spin the guessatron. 
Spin the Gazatron. That's right, everyone. I get snap called with the old Queen Nine offsuit. He's got live cards. <laughs> what can I say? He's live. Was it suited? They were not suited. Wow. And, um, you know, just for like, and the thing is, it was for like three quarters of his stack. It's not like he was uh, a short stack. Snaps me off with the Queen Nine, and uh, I, I managed to get through the first four cards very well. Nine on the river. And um, it's really weird. It's because, like, I'm disappointed and not to be like a fucking egomaniac, but like when I go bust at one of these things, everyone else is kind of disappointed too. Like, um, because the fish is gone. The fish is gone. And also like, I forget who is dealing. It was like one of our regular dealers. Like it was Paul or Richard or somebody. And he just like puts the card down and looks up at me. And it's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like He's just, you know, cause I'm, I'm trying to make it fun for everybody. So, and in that situation, I will say it was the first time ever that I lost in that way and I like acted not that hurt and I wasn't that hurt. Like usually I'm like raging. Yeah. Like just so furious. And for some reason in this case, it just didn't really bother me. So maybe I'm just like getting better at handling these situations. But uh but yeah, so they got me, James. As as usual, they got me, you know. Sometimes uh sometimes Queen Nine holds up. Well, just before we start talking about your adventures in online poker, Joe, let's quickly reminisce about the latest TV show because the EPT 11 Grand Final is now over. TV Recap. And I don't think we should spend too long on this because bizarrely, we've kind of caught up with ourselves. We started EPT Not Live uh, back in March of last year. Yes, that's right. And the first big event... The first big televised event that we talked about on the podcast was this grand final. So we poured over this final table in intense detail on an earlier edition of the show. We had Johnny Lodden on as a guest. We taunted and teased him about his fold with fives to Adrian Mateos. Uh, So I think we've kind of said most of what needs to be said about this event and about this final table. Yeah, I I, I agree. You know, it's it's it happened a year ago. Just a couple of things to look out for is that, uh, you know, obviously we've got our first ever Spanish champion and it was a grand final champion, which is pretty cool. I was really, <laughs> it's weird because the TV coverage doesn't reflect this very much. There's like a couple little Easter eggs that hint at the presence of El Comontador. <laughs> but this, this was like the first during the live coverage. This was the first time that I really, I was actually really, really begging for Adrian Mateos to go bust because I was so sick of doing El Comontador and the audience was too, but I felt like as long as he was still in, like I couldn't stop doing it. Luckily, there was a point like once he won the tournament, it's like the grand final. Like I can't do this like fucking stupid character, um, you know, when this guy's winning the grand final. I I wouldn't put it past you to do it during the winner's presentation. Well, okay, so that's the other thing is so we these fucking Spanish guys, right? And they're like three names and they're four (laughs) names. If you watch, if you watch, you can see at the end, we've been calling him Adrian Mateos Diaz the entire time. And then all of a sudden, at one point, it changed to like Adrian Mateos. And if you see when I congratulate him as the winner, I actually call him Adrian Mateo Diaz. So not only did I get the like the three name thing wrong, I actually just said one of the names wrong completely. Well, Joe, the good news is you can count on the fingers of one hand the times when the winner's presentation has included the correct season name, the correct <laughs> venue name, the correct tournament name, and the correct winner's name. 
with and with no pause while I try to think about what fucking city we're in. I mean, I don't think there's ever been in a case where you've got all four wrong, but certainly there are times when you've gone, you know, 500 or gone 750 on it. You're totally right. I think the number of times that I've completely nailed it. I mean, sometimes <laughs> I just leave it out completely. I was. I think we watched one of the one of the shows we just voiced recently. I just go, let's give it up for the winner. <laughs> even like. I less is more. Less is more. If I could just say one last thing to you about Adrian uh, Mateo Diaz is yeah. that the, the thing I really like too is that he's really good at poker. Like I used to joke a lot about the Spanish players and the reason they didn't have a champion is because they weren't very good. He's really, really good. He's. A, he. I mean, is you know he may not be the most well known guy until this happened, but he, he's a he's a great player. So he's certainly deserving of of a big title. We said it at the time, and I'll say it again. I thought this was a great final table. That hand between Mateos and Loden is epic. Uh, it was presented in the TV show as a sweat with hand. We looked at it from Johnny's perspective, so we don't know uh, what Mateos has there. Um, you can check it out at PokerStars.tv. If you're in the UK and Ireland, go to Channel4.com/poker to watch episode seven of the EPT Grand Final. So from next week, uh, we fast forward to August 2015 and the start of EPT Season 12, and now we start our run of final table shows, final tables of main events, and in some cases, super high rollers and high rollers. So we're actually going to catch up with ourselves pretty quickly. Uh, Within four or five weeks, we're going to be in Dublin already. Well, let's talk about another great player now, someone who enjoyed online success in the last 48 hours as Joe Stapleton talks Poker Stars NJ. Adventures in Online Poker. So, uh, as you guys know, I'm, I'm like moving out of New Jersey literally today. Like, it's, it's 20 after 8 in the morning on the East Coast. I have movers that are supposed to be here between 9 and 10. There's, my apartment's full of boxes. They shut off my internet today. We are doing this this call, um, this this podcast with my phone tethered to my computer. So like I'm about to get out of New Jersey, and so me and Jesse, my roommate, Jcat, decided to go out from like my last night out. And uh, while we were out, I was like, "What do you say we go to McDonald's and get like a hundred dollars worth of McDonald's, and then go home and Twitch stream us playing the McDonald's Monopoly game?" What is the McDonald's Monopoly game? So it's just it's just you know when you buy stuff at McDonald's they got these monopoly pieces on them and you pull them off and you take a look and you see if you win anything and the thing is uh, you can it's like Twitch- a promotion that they're running yeah it's like you know it's an instant win game for the most part and so um, because Twitch's policy is that you can stream anything you want as long as it's a game so right. I was like this probably suffices can and I, so can I ask a question that I suspect I know the answer to already yeah. had you been drinking. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. Good. I just I just want to oh. check. I just want to check that this idea was not born of two sober grown-up men. No, my God, no. Of course, no, we definitely, we definitely had been drinking, and so we bring. So I ordered forty-one dollars worth of McDonald's. I got five Big Macs and two fillet of fish because those are the ones that come with the most Monopoly pieces. And we get back, and I'm like, you know what? I have two hundred dollars that I put in my PokerStars New Jersey account. I have no idea if I will ever be back in New Jersey again. Let's also play online poker, and I'm just going to punt it off. Like, I'm just going to punt it off. We'll stream it. I'm just going to play like an absolute asshole and, <laughs> and just blow all this money on Poker Stars. You make it sound it. like you've changed your game style. I did change my game style because usually, like, I'm a tight, weak asshole, and now I'm just being like a complete maniac. Okay. But still an asshole. 
Um, so we decided that we were going to uh, to just play, uh, like just play goofy. So J- Jesse and I are uh, just sort of talking complete bollocks strategy. And there's a certain point where, um, actually, I got a couple of clips. Here's one where we uh, where we decide that we're gonna that we're gonna get it in bad, but we actually uh, end up turning up okay. Showdown. Jack. Jack. Oh God, that's not good. <laughs> no, it's not. Five clubs. That's a chop. That's a chop. Everyone's chops. <laughs> Wait, were we gonna win a side pot? No. Okay. Everybody loves a chop pot. Four-way chop pot. Everyone loves a chop pot. Top set versus second pair. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, tell him in the chat that he's lucky to chop that big out of Queens. We decided that we were going to potentially just come up with some interesting poker strategy. Jesse came up with a new way of uh, determining whether or not you should call instead of flipping a coin. It has something to do with a piece of fruit. Right. Well, this guy's all in. Should we call? I have a good... Eight six eight eight six off. Like this one. Wait, let's, like, flip a banana. let's crunch the numbers real quick. Smush this banana. Okay, throw throw a banana in the air, and if it lands, if it comes out in one clean thing, then we call. Okay, all right, go. Nope. It's the Oreo. So then, what started happening, James, is that we started running pretty good. So there was a hand where um, I tripled up. So I, I go bust. First of all, I go bust. I'm playing an idiot. I go bust. I'm like, okay, what are you play playing at this point? Are you playing the cash games? It's a, it's a tw- thank you for asking. It's a twenty dollar tournament. Okay. And um, I eventually I'm playing like a complete ding dong, and I go bust, and then it pops up that it's a reentry tournament, and I'm like, oh, it's a reentry. Well, let's enter again. And then after I reenter, my first hit after reentering, I get it in four ways with pocket threes, flop a three. And I end up tripling up nice. um, after rebuying. Right. And then I'm like, you know what? Let's keep playing like like dicks. And so I, every time I'm going to open a pot, I just open it for a full pot. Um, that was my opening raise. And so I woke up with seven deuce suited under the gun. And I'm just messing around. So I'm like, you know what? I, I, think, I think we should just pot this. Let's just pot it. What happens from there is history. It's going to be amazing when we bust three people with seven deuces of spades. Mm. Come on. This is... Ooh, aces. That's going to be tough to beat. Hold hey, on. Hey, we got backdoor. Come on. <laughs> so, yeah. So, if you couldn't tell what happened there, James, um, seven deuce, pot it. And I end up getting called in three spots, including aces. Uh, and I had seven deuces spades. And it came spade on the flop, spade on the turd, spade on the river. And puppy. I end up busting like three people on the hand. <laughs> and Jesse and I do this little dance that someone has since turned into an animated gif that I'm going to try to maybe put on the uh, the video version of the podcast when we do it from Monaco. Now, I have a key question here. Obviously, yeah. there's a lot of people at the moment playing in New Jersey and streaming. Uh, of course, we spoke to Jason Somerville about it a couple of weeks ago. How many viewers did you have? Because I'm imagining that Jason probably had the lion's share of the audience at this point. Okay, so good question. Jason Somerville was actually streaming at the same time as us, and it was driving me crazy. When we peaked, we had over we had 220 people. Wow, that's at one point. That's, that's pretty good. Pretty, it is pretty, pretty good. good. Considering it was three o'clock in the morning here, yeah. eight a.m. where you guys are. 
And the best part, James, and I probably shouldn't even admit this, I was playing with whole cards up, no delay. <laughs> and at least two people at the table were watching the stream. And there was actually a moment. One, actually, one of them was probably I the guy a- with aces when you had seven deuces, like, happy days. And then, of course, you river him. So there's a certain point where I start trying to hide the whole cards by, like, just sort of moving the client off the, the out of the field of vision. But a couple times I, like, didn't move it enough. <laughs> so... You can still you can still see what my cards were. Jesse farted on the stream. At one point, Lex Veldhaus came into the chat and was like entertaining people. We were just having a blast. And James, before you know it, I'm at the final fucking table. <laughs> well, surely at this point, everyone's thinking, ah, enough of enough of Jason Somerville. We're not interested in Jake Harver anymore. We're gonna get on board the Joe Stapleton bandwagon. Well, Jason Somerville was also at a final oh. table, so it was really interesting. Wow. And Lee Jones was like promoting Jason's stream, and like I was like, "What the fuck, Lee? Your one moment, your one chance at <laughs> poker glory, and still you're being overshadowed by Jason Somerville." Unbelie- and Jason was like, Jason at- was like tweeting that he was down to the top five, and Lee was retweeting him, and I was like, "Lee, I'm heads up, and I have, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm I'm playing cards up." And the thing is, so Jesse and I are playing. You know, we're. we're we're talking about all the hands and stuff. And, you know, obviously that's not an issue as long as I'm the one pressing the buttons. Um, and uh, so we're heads up and we're debating whether or not we think this guy is watching the stream or not. And we just ran super, super bad uh, during during the heads up. Like I, it was like five high every time. It was really brutal. Um, we weren't even getting like an ace or a king really that we could mess around with. And so we eventually end up losing the heads up. And we're like debating whether or not we thought the guy was watching the stream or not. We figured he wasn't because he wasn't really playing like he could see the cards. And then all of a sudden, we're saying goodbye to everyone on the stream. And this guy pops up. He's like, hey, what's up, man? I was the guy you were just playing heads up with. <laughs> I, ran, I ran really good. Don't worry. Like, I had it every time. And I was like, oh, my God, this dude is watching. And I almost beat him. And it just would have been so legendary had I been able to win this. My First of all, so... I played exactly one tournament in New Jersey, final yeah. table, finished second. I was trying to punt off $200. I actually ended up cashing for $277. Boom. Congratulations uh, on your second place finish. Yeah, but here's the problem. I'll never see that money. It's just going to sit in my PokerStars New Jersey account um, for the rest of its life, unless for some reason I get uh, called back here to do some stuff. But it was a really, really... Um, it was just a fun night. And the thing is that... It was only fun. I kept telling Jesse that, like, the only reason the stream was so good is because I ran like absolute god. I was like, I could have been out like so yeah. many times, and I wasn't, but I didn't. And so it was a good time. I would encourage you guys, if you want, to go back and watch uh, the replay of that. It's about the whole stream. We played some spinning goes afterward, also. Uh, the whole stream is an hour and forty eight minutes, which apparently is short for a poker stream. So. Um, Oh, we got kicked out of my bedroom, James, at one point because my neighbor, the one who like records me having sex, yeah. my neighbor started pounding on the wall. So oh, we eventually wow. like have to move from the yeah from the bedroom to the kitchen. Anyway, that's all over now. It's been great. Smell you later, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> you may be invited back now that uh, Lee Jones is acutely aware of uh, of your success. In this tournament. My 220 person viewership. I pulled those audience straight out of the mouth of Jake Arver. Uh, You mentioned spin and goes, Joe. Let's go into the lobby because I do have 
the final number of spin and go qualifiers coming to Monaco. Remember, there were 10 Euro spin and goes running on PokerStars, awarding packages to the EPT 12 Grand Final. That promotion has now ended. 121 packages were awarded between the middle of March and the middle of April. And I mean, that's that incredible. Fucking, that's fucking awesome. And these people are going to be playing, some of them are going to be playing cards up on EPT Live. That is true. And I guarantee you that when we come to pick an online qualifier for EPT Live, it's going to be someone who got their seat in a spin and go. Because I can't believe that all 121 will go broke before day two when we start our coverage. No, absolutely not. Some of them are going to be there, and I really look forward to that. That's, I mean, that's the whole point. I always tell these people, qualify so we can talk about you, so we can have an EPT Live. I'm excited as shit. I uh, should point out there is still time to satellite to the Grand Final. Remember, the festival kicks off at the end of this month, and traditional satellites are still running on PokerStars. There's one other thing I would like to highlight, Joe, which is a live event rather than an online MTT. This and sounds awesome. I'm actually, I really wish I could go to this. Yeah, so we were talking earlier on about the UK IPT, which is one of the local tours that PokerStars runs. There is also the Eureka Poker Tour, which runs in Central Europe. And for the first time ever, the Eureka Poker Tour is going to to Romania because after all this is the year of the year of Romania exactly so Bucharest will be hosting the Eureka Poker Tour in May directly after the grand final from May the 16th to the 22nd at the Intercontinental Hotel in Bucharest there is a big festival running there and it has been confirmed that Romania's favorite son Daniel Negranu will be attending that festival <laughs> and there will be the Romanian premiere of the documentary Kid Poker Oh, that's pretty sweet. Are they going to have it subtitled in Romanian? They're having it subtitled right now, so it's going to be a proper screening at the festival. Everyone will be able to go. I imagine Daniel will be watching the movie as well. But also, there's the poker to be played, including the 1K main event. Uh, that runs between the 18th and the 22nd. The festival from the 16th to the 22nd of May. And, of course, satellites running on PokerStars. James, I heard that when Romania gets television, they might even put Kid Poker on it. <laughs> In black and white, 4-3. Oh, xenophobic It really jokes. is the year of Romania, isn't it? Right, let's give away some prizes, Joe. Let's play a quiz. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. So this week we have a contestant from the United States of America. In fact, Joe, it wouldn't surprise me if this person was within throwing distance of where you are right now. Uh, in the neighboring state of New York, we welcome to EPT Not Live, Zuli Bonella. Welcome, Zuli. Hi, guys. Zuli, today is yes. my moving day. I'm a little stressed out. I'm moving to California today. But you, Zuli, you've been to my house before. This what? house I'm moving out of. Yes, I have. Is there a, James, is there a creepy story behind this? No. <laughs> I went to see Joe's um, comedy show in Hoboken, and that's how he should know that I really like him, because I really do not like New Jersey. So, <laughs> my, my best friend, like, from, like, the last 15 years has lived three and a half miles from me for the last eight months. He has come to my house exactly zero times, but Zuli has come to my house, and Zuli also won um, an ungrateful Christmas regift. You got over the top, right? I did. I still haven't watched it, though, because I wanted to keep your autographs. I think that was your plan all along. 
I don't think you're missing anything. I would recommend instead watching the documentary about Canon Films, the company that made Over the Top, because it's far more entertaining than any of the films that studio actually produced throughout the 1980s. <laughs> okay, I'll take your suggestion. I'm Julie, sure my what's up? Really like Let's get to know you a little bit here on the podcast. What do you do, Zuli? So I'm actually um, the COO of a poker company. We create online poker courses, and I also teach poker on, like in real life. We actually have an office in New York where I teach intro to poker and intermediate poker and advanced poker. I have a class tonight, actually, for people who have never played poker before, so I'm introducing people to the community. That's awesome. Your, your specialty subject is not going to be poker, is it? Because if so, <laughs> then I'm going to be really fucked. I was just thinking, Joe, that <laughs> I imagine Zuli probably watches our live streams and TV shows and is like, what are those two Muppets talking about? How on earth did they get this gig? <laughs> no, actually, I think you guys are pretty good with uh, the commentary, especially when you have a guest. <laughs> especially when there's someone there to actually handle talking I about poker. I love the backhanded compliment. Suli, you are a genuine <laughs> super fan. I love the other week when you were listening to the podcast and were live tweeting along to it, but live tweeting in your own time when no one else was necessarily listening to it at the same time you were. Yeah, yeah. I felt the need to share. I was feeling really strongly about, what was the movie you were talking about? Um, Tomorrowland. Yeah. Did you think it was bad or good? I can't remember. I felt like I needed more from it, but it was good. Can we play the wrong buzzer for her already? She got the she got the first <laughs> question wrong. One last question before we get going, Zuli. Did you play in some kind of celebrity poker game recently? Did I see that on your Facebook? Oh, actually, um, ABC News Health was doing um, like a live stream online during April Fool's Day, and they invited us over to talk about um, how. Uh, you basically deceive through your behavior when you play poker. So I was playing with uh, some ABC News Health people and with Whoopi Goldberg, and that was really fun. That and my it. and my um, coworker boss guy Blake. We're a really small company, so we, it's not really my boss, but he was commentating on everybody's behavior. It was really fun. What was Whoopi Goldberg's behavior like? <laughs> um, she was really like transparent while playing poker like it was really easy to see that she was bluffing but since everybody else at the table was also a beginner they were really intimidated by her and it was really funny well did, did anyone drop any good like ghost lines or anything like that or like oh you know what el Comandador, his favorite movie james is hump and hack flash <laughs> and that's that is a Whoopi goldberg movie I've never seen that movie. I've actually not seen that many Whoopi Goldberg movies, which I probably should not admit on air, but it's true. Well, um, I actually recommend that you watch the documentary about the making of the Whoopi Goldberg movies. <laughs> is <it> more <laughs> entertaining? Now, movies is not Zuli's specialist subject. Instead, Zuli, we are talking literature. We are going quite erudite on this week's edition of EPT Not Live. Jesus Christ. Show this should not be a problem for someone who at regular intervals, encourages the audience to, quote, read a book, unquote. Read a book. Uh, but something tells me that you probably do not follow your own example. Um, <laughs> now, there are some very important details we need to take care of. Zuli, you have implied that you're not a fan of the state of New Jersey, so I'm assuming that you do not have a PokerStars New Jersey account. I don't. No, I don't go over to New Jersey much. Do so you cross the border into Canada or Mexico to hashtag play on PokerStars? 
<laughs> no, but I can go to New Jersey. It's not like out of the realm of possibility. What I'm coming Joe, to so. is what are we actually playing for here? Because I'm assuming that you don't currently have a Real Money PokerStars account. So a Step C ticket is utterly useless to you. So would you rather <laughs> play for additional Chop Pop merchandise? The T-shirt is yours. You know you get that for basically coming on the show as a thank you. But there has to be something on the line here. There has to be some form of jeopardy. So would you like to play for a prize that you can never use or shall i throw in a chop pot hoodie oh shit to go with the t-shirt i'll take the hoodie for sure okay yeah. so you get the hoodie if you beat joe in a game of literature trivia which is basically opening lines of famous novels okay now isn't everything so. technically literature like isn't what's on the back of the shampoo bottle I read every day on the toilet isn't that technically like the literature that comes with shampoo? I'm talking about what a university would probably define as literature were it teaching a course under that banner. Well, lucky for you I took a course in shampoo bottle literature. Boom. <laughs> Superfan versus states. Zuli, as the superfan, I will put the first quotation to you. Two points on offer if you can name the author and the novel. The first line of this book is, It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. That's um, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Correct, for two points. Mm, and Zuli like how this is going. takes an early <laughs> lead. Joe, I decided to start you off with a simple one. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. That is a pretty simple one. I feel okay. That is that is a tale of two cities, and that's Charles Dickens. Correct. And we have a tied game. See, isn't this fun? Yes. <laughs> okay. Now we start getting tougher. Zuli, your second <laughs> opening line of a famous novel. It was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking thirteen. That's 1984 by George Orwell. It is correct for two points. Wow. She knows her shit. Uh, <laughs> Joe. I'm going to give you a clue. I'm going to help Joe out a little bit because he is at an obvious disadvantage. This is a work of American rather than English literature. Okay. In my younger and more vulnerable years, my father gave me some advice that I've been turning over in my mind ever since. I'm going to take a stab here. I don't think I've read this book. Is this Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger? It is not. Zuli, you can steal for two Wait, points. Wait, I have a, que I have a question, That's James, really quick. Okay. Am I allowed to answer the title, and then if I get it wrong, wait for the author and try to get a saver point? Yeah, I'll allow it. Okay, I'll do that for the next one, then. <laughs> That's um, The Great Gatsby by Fitzgerald. Uh. It is indeed. Zuli leads 6-2, and it's Zuli's question. It was love at first sight. The first time Yasarian saw the chaplain, he felt madly in love with him. That's um, Catch-22 by Heller. It is indeed. This is going to be a whitewash. I'm loving it. <laughs> no, but I got look, I got to put something on the board. I'm going to look like a fucking numbskull. Okay, we're now crossing the Atlantic, Joe, to the shores of the United Kingdom and a work of Victorian literature. And in okay. case you don't know what that means, 19th century. It means written by Vicky Corrin. There was no possibility of taking a walk that day. There was no possibility of taking a walk that day. Wuthering Heights. Incorrect. I'm still going to... Uh, uh, shit. Um, I'm going to switch it up and go with James Joyce. 
Joe, James Joyce was a 20th century novelist. <laughs> this is 19th century. And to be honest with you, you were along the right lines with your first Fuck. guess. Zuli, put him out of his misery. That's um, Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. No, is come on. I can't. <laughs> you had the Eyre. wrong Bronte sister. But if I you just said Bronte, I probably would have given you a point. I know. God damn it. My instincts are so bad at fucking everything. Zuli, your question. <laughs> Stately plump Buck Mulligan came from the stairhead, bearing a bowl of lather on which a mirror and a razor lay crossed. That's um, Ulysses by Joyce. It is indeed probably my favourite book of all time, meaning that you now lead 12 points to two. <laughs> Shut up. It's not too late, Joe. You can stage it. No, you can't. Uh, now, Joe, this one was made into a movie. In fact, I think it's been made into a movie twice. Okay. Ooh. It is not Better. Her. It is not now listen. I'm trying to give you clues here. It <laughs> is not a work of English or American literature. It is translated from a foreign language into English. Ooh. This is the most common translation of the first line of this book. Someone must have slandered Joseph K for one morning without having done anything truly wrong. He was arrested. Okay. Um now, James, I can't help but notice that none of these questions so far have been about the Jack Reacher books. I apologize <laughs> for that. I've read nine of those, and they are... Okay, um, let's see. I'm going to go with... Because of the clues, I'm going to go with Crime and Punishment. Incorrect. Oh. Um, I'm going to still choose a, a Russian author. We're going to go with Dostoevsky. Incorrect. Damn it. Zuli, do you know? Yes. It's um, The Trial by Kafka. Of course it is. 14 points for Zuli. Still two the points trial. for Joe. What movie did they make out of that? 12 Angry Men? No, The Trial with Anthony Perkins, and it was remade with Carl McLaughlin as Joseph K. I I believe, in the 1990s. I didn't realize there was movies, actually. The Orson Welles version with Anthony Perkins is is really good, actually. I think uh, since Zuli didn't realize there was movies, she should lose half her points. <laughs> and she'd still have a dominant lead over you, you numbskull. Uh, <laughs> Zuli, your final question, although chances are you'll be stealing Joe's final question. The Nelly, okay. <laughs> the Nelly, a cruising yawl, swung to her anchor without a flutter of the sails and was at rest. Ooh, I don't think I know this one. Joe can't wait to steal. <laughs> okay, so I guess it's about uh, it's about a boat. I'm gonna let Joe steal. I don't know this one. Okay, Joe, just because I don't want you to be shellacked embarrassingly, I'm gonna give you some clues on this. It is about uh, a boat. It's about a boat sailing down a river in Africa, and the man on board the boat on board the boat is looking for Mr. Kurtz. Oh, uh, I, I would have I would have gotten this one. This heart of darkness. Correct. By, uh, Joseph Conrad. Correct. Well done, Joe. Four points, and you get the last question. I scowl with frustration at myself in the mirror. Damn my hair. It just won't behave. And damn Catherine Kavanagh for being ill and subjecting me to this ordeal. Oh, boy. Um, Catherine Kavanagh. And damn her. And let's go with the, the Portrait of Dorian Gray. <laughs> Incorrect. Do you want to take a random guess at an author? Yes, I do. Smith. No. 
<laughs> Zulia, I won't blame you if you don't know this one, by the way. It's kind of a trick question. Sounds like she does. I don't. I just knew that it wasn't those. <laughs> this, strictly speaking, is not literature. It's a pile of shit. It's Fifty Shades of Grey by E.L. James. Oh. oh. I haven't read that. And for that, you get a bonus point, which means the final score is 15 points. <laughs> Wait, she gets a points. bonus point for not reading Fifty Shades of Grey? Yes, because it shows that the girl has taste, which is why she has 15 <laughs> points. You only have four. Zulia's won this edition of Superfan vs. Stapes, which means she gets the Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt and bonus hoodie. Yay! Nice job, Zuli. Well, Zuli's been super supportive, so I'm glad she won. I'd like to say I took a dive on this one on purpose, but I <laughs> didn't. <laughs> Zuli, thank you very much for getting up very early, and thank you very much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. No worries. And Joe, I don't blame you. I am very competitive about trivia, so I really was like taking this super seriously. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you won, because uh, you deserve it. Thanks. For reading all those awful books. <laughs> Man, Zuli is just such a sweet kid. Like, she is the best. She came over uh, all the way to New Jersey to see my show, brought her girlfriend with her. They hung out my place afterward, had a little after party. She's texts me to tell me good luck on uh, various things we're doing. She's just a big sweetie. I'm glad that she won uh, a couple of prizes. Well, she um, clearly knew her stuff. And that's all we ask is if you're going to be a know-it-all, be right. That's right. She did She did know her stuff. But speaking of this apartment she came and visited, I yeah. have movers coming literally and probably in the next 25 minutes. I have so much <laughs> shit to do. So that is all the time we've got right now. I got to tape up boxes. I got to just make sure everything is ready to go when these J-holes get here. Uh, on next week's show, what are we going to talk about? First, I think, we, I think we should do a little campaigning, James. We don't really fare very well in the European Poker Awards. And luckily... Um, we're barely nominated this year for anything, but the whole play on Poker Stars Corporation has been nominated for a few things. So I think what we should do is do a little campaigning next week on the show and maybe have a little four-year consideration type of thing going on. So we're going to do that next Sounds week. Like who's, a plan. Our, who's our guest next week? Well, our TV show going out next week, Tuesday nights on Channel 4, Wednesdays at PokerStars.tv, is the EPT12 Barcelona main event final table. Uh, Steve Warburton is one of the players at that final table, and he is going to be joining us on next week's show to discuss his deep run in EPT Barcelona and that final table TV show. That's right. It's just final table, final table, final table now, huh? Indeed. We go right into it. All right, guys, that's all the time we got for this week's show. I have to move for James Hardigan. This is Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Smell you later.